0: Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you are having a great day and a great week ahead. Um, And thank you for coming back to my podcast every single day. It is an honour to have you and thank you so much for your support. So uh, today we're going to do something that um I um was asked a question well not me it was a general question um and it was said do you know that Indians um in the word um Hindu is not Indian it comes from outside india so that's why the podcast today is on what who's a hindu and who's a H- indian so let's start with indian the word india okay it's a greek word indike, and latin india okay um so it's it's a mixture it starts off with greek uh then goes to latin so it's the word india is not of the Indian subcontinent. The Union of India um, gets its name from um, the Brits who finally institutionalized it and now we got India. Uh, but this word India is not from the Indian subcontinent or not from the uh, 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 South Asian subcontinent. It is uh, originating in Indic and Latin. Okay, very important to understand. So we're basically still in a very feudal uh, European mindset. And until we remove that name, or should I say change it, uh, we'll still be in a European mindset. Because this, the word itself is uh, Greek and Latin. Um, it does not come from the Indian subcontinent. But what is Hindu? Who's a Hindu? So, let's just start with the first, let's start another way, okay? Uh, The ancient name of the land is Bharata or Bharatvarsh. The first part of the word Bharat is still used even today. In Hindi, one of the main official languages, our name is still Bharat. It's still imprinted on Indian passports. Um, an official Indian document. Bharata is a Sanskrit word. A bha signifies a balanced feeling or magnetic resonance. So you've balanced your magnetic resonance. Ra comes from raga, signifying a melodious framework. That means, um, a chain of events that, uh, um, like, a, like a piano, um, a harmonium, the, uh, a chain of events that is melodious. um. The rhythm of your frequencies is melodious, and ta comes from the word tal or tala signifying rhythmic cycles because we know we are cycles, we are frequencies, moves in cycles and waves. So it's rhythm, there's a rhythm to it, there's a structure, there's a, a equation to it, uh, like currents and waves. And the melodious um, movement of these frequencies, the framework or structure, um, giving it a balanced feeling uh, or. Magnetic resonance. So the cosmos is our f- frequencies. We're made up of, uh, of f- these frequencies, are, uh, are sound and um, it carry data. And this data moves uh, through us through frequencies and currents and waves and cyclic forms. And bha means the comes from the balanced feeling. That means you've your, you've aligned, your magnetic resonance is aligned. And that's bha, ra uh with your structure is melodious and ta tal ta comes from tal which means rhythmic cycle so the Indian subcontinent is a vortex and bharata signifies the magnetic rhythm uh, magnetic resonance of her rhythm and cycles in Hindi her citizens call her Bharatya meaning uh, meaning from Bharat um and in English, we are called Indian, but like I said, Bharata is is uh, is uh, source from the Indian subcontinent, from from the South Asian subcontinent, and India it comes from Greek uh, and Latin. Now. When the, when the invasion started around 500 BCE, as per the knowledge in hand, the invaders called us Indus or Sindus, okay, Sindus, mostly. The word comes from Sapta commonly called in modern linguistics as Sapta Sindhu. Sapta-Sin, Sapta means seven in Sanskrit. Sindhu means water or river or in a broader sense. A body of water. Uh, you see, in, the nor- in North India, the land that is today shared by by India or Pakistan is a land where seven rivers pass through. Rivers that originate in the Himalayas and flow into the Arabian Sea. They are the Indus, the ancient Saraswati, the Jhelum, the Chenab, the Ravi, the Bias, the Sutlej. And the historians debate the name of the rivers as there are many rivers flowing in the region with its innumerable territories, tributaries. The Persians and the Greeks were first in history that is known to us to come through the Hindu Kush mountains. They came in contact with people living beyond the seven rivers, that is the Sapta Sindhu, one of which was was the mighty Indus, which still exists today. They called the native Indus when... Which then became Sindus, or those living beyond the body of water. So the water, the the those living beyond this body of water that was the Indus River, um, that they were called uh, Sindus. Uh, the Arabs who came later could um, post seven eleven AD could not pronounce the alphabet S and that became Hindus. Okay, so actually it, the word Hindus comes from Saptasindaba, uh, or Sapta means seven and Sindhu means river or in a broader sense, a body of water. Now remember, the Indian subcontinent is surrounded by water. We are uh, surrounded uh, in the north by Himalayas, the waters from the Himalayas, the Arabian Sea, the Indian Ocean and the Bay of Bengal and India is a land of rivers. Now most of the rivers are drying up or dried up because we got so many people, but it's a land of rivers. So yes, it is important to understand that we are surrounded by water. So it's important to understand we are vortex. Water is energy, and it roams in. It moves in cycles below the surface of the earth, and that energy um, dictates who we are because we are an energy field, and the movement of the water and the energy below the surface of the earth di- um, defines who, how the energy moves on top. So when we say the currents that form our waves this is what we mean um and atwa means all that lies in between or uh hind that means the um, water all that lies in between the bodies of water from that you get hindutwa and from prior to that was Sindhva, that means beyond the water beyond uh the bodies of water the layers and the layers of water the um, um, the um, the currents that form our waves. So now let's go back to Sapta Sindhu, the seven rivers or seven bodies of water in a broader sense. It also means the entire land that is the Indian subcontinent, also known as Bharata, which lies surrounded by water. So like I said, in the north, you have the seven rivers, tributaries, in the south, we have the Indian Ocean, the Bay of Bengal and the Arabian Sea. Uh, So we are surrounded by water or Sindhu. Water is a very important uh, part of Indian life, but more importantly, water is a good conductor of energy. If we are surrounded by water, it makes the entire subcontinent our high energy field. The Vedas, the ancient scriptures, are also all about our cosmic energy and our connection to it. So therefore, that the Vedas were bought by foreign invading Aryan invaders as um. It, it, it's really stupid and ignorant. Water, as mentioned earlier, is a very good conductor of energy. Hence, our ancient texts and epics are called Mahabharata. Maha means great, Bharat means land. Um, so we are great land because the energy field that we sit on. The people of this land are blessed by the ability to rejuvenate themselves with water resources. Um, and this will lead to greater ability... In using and enhancing our electromagnetic field and the molecular makeup to its maximum, thus producing the best results and the ultimate outcome, or as I like to say, a golden outcome. In ancient times, she was called Swarna Bhumi, Swarna means gold and Bhumi means land, so the land of gold. There was so much gold in India, jewels and diamonds, wealth that ca- the world came to our doorstep to do commerce, to trade and the Indian subcontinent was laden with gold. The reason for this was that the ancients were aware of our knowledge of our electromagnetic field, it works and how it works. But when the knowledge left us, we forgot the science. The ignorance and the disconnect from our source led to the poverty on the inside, which led to the poverty on the outside. Even today, Indians like gold, a modern day symbol of wealth. Today, however, it's just material without the knowledge of continuity and synchronicity. Although today we have lost our knowledge, we will still unfortunately stick to gold as a material symbol. As we have lost our knowledge over time, ignorance turned to poverty. This change to the turbulence and conflict it produced took our lives. um, and invading armies walked straight to the door of the subcontinent that we left open. Thus, they call us Hindus. The land that they occupied was still Hindustan. The suffix stan is a Sanskrit word meaning place. Hence, Hindustan was, in, was a land of the Hindus it, where its inhabitants were called Hindustani. It's not a Persian word by long-shot. Persian Empress empires colonized areas around the Indus Valley Civilization which were dharmic and absorbed uh, the languages and the heritage of the region. The term Hindus, Hinduism was not a religious term nor were there people or followers of religion. Hinduism did not exist. There's no word Hindus or Hinduism nor Hindustan in any text. It was thus coined by the locals to explain the subcontinent to the refugees and invading armies who came from about the subcontinent. Uh, who came to, They also came to the subcon. Those who came to the subcontinent did not understand who we were. The concept of institutionalized religion from one book did not occur. Sometimes Hindus um, Hindu is used is a term used to denote the wider hindic civilization up till the far east the modern concept of hinduism is a collection of ancient vedic knowledge philosophies history architecture archaeology all culminating into who we are today Um, It is not an invading culture or force like it's portrayed as in Abrahamic religions, but a great vortex of people of the planet who graced her shores and refugees who came to her for help and shelter. Unlike Abrahamic colonial empires who converted their feudalism into faith and religion, the people of Hindustan are allergic to the fact that if you want to convert a land and a history into religion, um, you you can't. Uh, It's just that you're just trying to suit your ignorance. Um, So that's very important. So it's very important to understand the concept of Indians and Hindus. Uh, so we are all Indians officially, okay? If you have an Indian passport, you are officially Indian. But prior to Indian, our, our name was Hindustani. Hindustan. Everyone on the land is Hindustani. Whatever your label, whatever your idea, whatever your, uh, everyone everyone is hindustani hindu uh, everyone because it's a term that denotes a geographical location it is not a religious term um again very important to say uh, this this religious term this became a polarized religious term by the indian national congress started with the a partition with jinnah and um and I think it was uh, one of the all all India, all India Muslim League people who wanted a separate who who talked about two two nation theory, uh, so that then it ended up afterwards as Jinnah in the 1940s after 42 uh, then he started, because he never asked for independence, he didn't ask for separate state before, he just wanted separate electorate, uh, divided on the basis of Hindus and Muslims Um, but this is how it comes, it comes from the members of the All India Muslim League who are talking about two nation theory, that two nation theory then becomes Hindus and Muslims for partition by Jinnah for separate electorates that separate electorate then becomes uh, two states uh, and and then Jinnah you know, then asked for complete separation then we became Hindus and 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 um, Hindus and and Muslims and from there the Indian National Congress continue the, the polarization, and instead of saying Hindus and Muslims, they kept saying minority and majority. So very clearly, they camouflage their rhetoric behind uh, polarized minority and majority. They play the divide and rule. They are the masters of divide and rule, the Indian National Congress. And through the 1970s, they made Hindu a religious term. But Hindu is not a religious term. Hindu is a geographical term. very, very important to understand that. Everyone is a Hindu, even if I was brought up a Roman Catholic, I was a Hindu, a Hindu or a Hindustani because it's a geographical term. It's like if you go to the United States, you have different groups, different communities and they are all Americans. So we are all Hindustani, all Hindus. And then from there, your duty is to align with the land, with the energies of the land and not look at the stars and pray to the stars, but align with the energies because we are an energy field. We are vortex and that's very important. Important. Um, it's it's something that's very important. That I want to talk about um, that. I'm that most people don't talk about. We are all a species of flora and fauna of the planet and the cosmos. So every human being, every flower animal is a is a, a species of flora and fauna. A metaphysical cycle flows as the cosmos flows. This means as as we move and travel in migrate in orbits, so we don't move just anywhere we move in orbits orbital cycles okay uh, cycles. orbits, sorry for the word wrongly used. If you look at a meteorological map, you will see an isothermal map on the screen. Basically, you will see circles or vortexes. Humans follow the same patterns we move in orbits. When we migrate from one region to another region, we assimilate into the land in tapestry of layers. Integrating layer at, at a time, layer upon layer, uh, every land on the planet is the same when it comes to migration of flora and fauna. Thus we say the species of life on the planet is a migratory species. When it comes to the Indian subcontinent, she's known as the land of refugees because she was so rich until very recently. The land with everything to offer. That is why when Christopher Columbus landed in America, he thought he landed in India and called the natives Indian. The subcontinent was a crossroads for civilization. She welcomed refugees and slaves over thousands of years, runaways and migrant workers. The force of her knowledge was enough to absorb all the refugees of the region and planet if if any. Ever since the last procession cycle 13,000 years ago when our cycle has been on the descent, this land called Bharat has been welcoming refugees as well as many species of life on the planet. Given the arid desert climate to the west in the Arabian desert and Sahara, not forgetting the deserts of Central Asia, ancient Bharat became the savior of the entire region. With her riches agriculture, water, rivers, mountains and natural resources, she took in refugees from all the natural calamities of the Middle East, climate change as well as slaves who escaped and those who were bought by different empires. Uh, every orbital cycle brought in uh, thousands and thousands of refugees uh, looking for a place to rest their very head and this came they came to this land called Bharat for hope and in search of a second chance- the dignity of life and respite from slavery. She bharat healed their wounds gave them the knowledge to empower and resurrect their beleaguered lives and carry on their journey or stay and be one of her currents. As they passed through the multiple layers of tapestry that formed the Indian subcontinent, they learned from her ancient knowledge given by her Vedas, the last bastion of hope, freedom and freedom descended from the ancient world, the land of the free, a land where you could embrace who you are and align with the currents to form free-flowing metaphysical waves. However, she took in too many refugees uh, and too fast. By the time that these refugees had any chance to settle down, they formed communities, clans, groups uh, and recreated their lives in, in the new homeland of Bharat and in the image of the land they left behind. These groups became bigger and bigger and bigger and more refugees came in uh, using resources of the Indian subcontinent and in not integrating into our currents they lived on the fringes of society the more the ethnic balance on the ground changed in their favor the more power they had and forceful they became they imposed themselves on the land on the people of the land who welcomed them and those who had already assimilated The locals and earlier generations of society who assimilated were too accommodating. They gave them too much space and bent over backwards. Thus, in the bargain, they let go of their dignity to accommodate new refugees, thereby becoming slaves of the newcomers. To transmit her ancient knowledge, the locals would have developed parables to uh, explain the ancient science to the layers of newcomers who came to the land with the various orbital cycles of our cosmic climate. These parables became rituals. The generations of locals and those who assimilated became what is known as ritualistic in their approach in order to transmit and later protect their ancient knowledge. As the locals began losing out with the influx of migrants, the rituals became institutionalized. The institutions then caused friction, which is normal when they have groups fighting for control of a vast wealth of knowledge, the land, and the human capital and to grab all of it for security and power. In the end, you will get a scramble for power, which is exactly what happened. Um, They formed clans and tribes, kingdoms and and empires, and now we have countries. Um, So that's very, very important. Um, Now we know on the Indian subcontinent, um, with the drying up of the Saraswati River in, in Between 2200 and 1900 BCE, there was a migration in all directions to escape climate change. However, the important event that brought back the the, uh, migration in the opposite direction was the Mynanian eruption of Tira, a Greek island in the Agency agency now called Santorini. The island of Tira sits on two fault lines the the Camini. Kamini fault line and the Columba fault line. Today it's referred to at times as the Santorini volcano of the 2nd millennium BCE. Between 1642 and 1540, uh, the eruption is said to have been multiple times stronger than 1883 AD volcanic eruption in Karakota, Indonesia, causing massive devastation along the fault line below the volcano. This meant regions around were virtually covered with ash, while the agricultural human patterns were devastated. This devastation occurred around the islands of the Aegean Sea, Egypt, the Sinai, the Levant, and surrounding areas in southern Europe. In such a scenario, the only other water delta and agricultural basin beyond the area of devastation was the Indus Valley Civilization and beyond. The area around the Levant, the Sinai, was inhabited mostly by Aramaic and Aramaic-speaking people, the Semitic language group, some of whom went on to form the Hebrew Kingdom of Israel, formerly Canaan. Some move to the Indian subcontinent of Bharat. This migration of, peop of people during this time period, a little before and after, is the time period given by Abrahamic establishments who control the rhetoric, along with the local Indian bubble head alliances on the ground. Thus, it was not an Aryan or an Arya migration. This was, uh, this was an Aramaic Aramaic migration are people who were destitute, broken, enslaved, and refugees. They have next to nothing in knowledge or ideology to carry themselves. They were not Iranian or proto-Iranian. These people were given a home by the inhabitants of the Indian subcontinent to place to build their lives. Hence, there's no way that they bought the Vedas to us. It was the reverse. Try telling that to a bunch of Abrahamic descendants who believe that they are the truth, the way, the life. Um, so basically, that's how you have migrants coming into the Indian subcontinent and beyond. Okay. All as always, all some migrants will mix and assimilate efforts effortlessly, with some with effort, while some will stay on the fringes of society, out of fear, shame, ignorance, pain, trauma and fatigue. These people formed groups and were subsequently by others and were used by others to form to run an agenda those people who were looking to maintain power on the inside and those who were looking in this is to recreate the power that they are on native that they had on their native lands meaning they will try and maintain their labels their boxes their ethnic communities long and the longer they held on to their previous labels the longer they they held on to the hope of resurrecting the empires in their new homeland at the expense of the people who welcomed them. They forgot to say thank you for that second chance. They forgot to appreciate her ancient knowledge, as well as appreciate the work the ancestors of the land, those who walked on and walked her soil, created and sacrificed for her. They prefer to hold their noses in the air and pretend that they're holier than thou. As a result of which, these migrants from former lands never integrated fully into the currents and their waves produced high and low tides. Instead, they produce tsunamis of war, conflict and terror. Uh, when the migrants and communities come to a land and disrupt a civilization on the ground by imposing their own feudalism, they are called invaders. When migrants and refugees go into the land and align with the existing civilization, they become one with and eventually become native. They have been in many invading armies that have invaded uh, Indian, the Indian subcontinent over the thousands of millennia. The most recent ones um, have been the ones and true, and true feudal religions, colonial empires and tides of Abraham. All blame the Hindu or those that have come previous generations and assimilated. Their goal was to dislodge the generations of locals who came before them, only to take them over. Their anger towards the Hindu was reminiscent of the ignorance of their own trauma inherited from the power struggle of the empires they left behind. The anger of the Hindu was institutionalized, still carries on till today and under different labels hunger for power land blind blinded them even though they were the ones into the with the begging bowl asking for that second chance there were some groups who would have come and assimilated contributed to a new homeland but at the same time kept their labels ancient labels as a result every time the cycle turned they still remained on the outskirts of Of fringes of society and slowly crumbled and faded away. Um, So basically, um, the fact of the matter is um, the fact of the matter is that even the British would say today the Aryan invasion theory is absolute rubbish. This theory would was used to keep the local people subjugated by the local Indian feudal establishment along with their British allies. Today even the British do not believe it, but our no bobblehead Indian political establishment still holds on to it to intimidate the masses with shame and fear. Their only goal is to get rid of our Vedic heritage and replace it with Abrahamic communist Marxist ignorance. There are only three official races in the world, Caucasian, Negroid and Mongoloid, although the concept of race is ignorant. It does not exist. There is also no evidence or archaeological proof of any Aryan race. The story keeps shifting to suit the various proponents who use the history, only to suit their gender and camouflage their flat earth invasion theories, and ignorance of the history of the Indian subcontinent by the various groups the, over the last 2000 years. The fact of the matter is that the flora and fauna, including the various species of planet are migratory species of life. As the planet oscillates due to its procession cycle, it means an east-west-north-south orbital oscillation of our civilization. Man has been nomadic since before we've had historical records. As we started farming, agriculture and tracts of land, mankind settled down and slowly became territorial. Agricultural societies were formed, thus there is not one human who is native to any land on this planet, nor any group or culture native to a specific territory. We have mixed and intermarried over the millions and billions of years. Our colour, complexion, features, forms have changed as we migrate from one region to another. The colour of our skin was never a factor for man to move around until very recently. Used by deep state to play the global divide and rule. We are a tapestry of colors in history. There's a little bit of us in every single packet of data. So it's important to understand that we are a civilization. the the land is called Hindustan. was called first as far back as we can go. We can call it Bharat, Bharat Bharatvarsh. That became Hindu, uh, Sindus, Sindhu, Sindhuwa. That became uh, Hindua. That became Hindustan, Hindustani, and then became India. And like I said, she's a land of refugees. People have come and joined her civilization for ancient times, and most of them are allies with, aligned with, realigned with, offloaded their trauma and re, and and connected uh, with this uh, Indian civilization. And of course beyond, because all the, the Far East was at one point a Hindu civilization. So anyone who belongs to the land belongs to the civilization. You are Hindu or Hindustani as it's called today. Hindu in Hindustani was never a religious term, it was a geographical and a civilizational term. India is a country and people who live in this country now belong to this land and your duty is to protect her civilization and align with her vortex, her energy field. Once you align, then you won't have any turbulence. But if you don't align, there will be turbulence and that is important to understand. Uh, so basically India and Hindus uh, is the same term, just two different labels. Um, we are all here to protect her civilization, protect her knowledge, whatever groups you come from whatever uh, whatever land you come whatever uh, ideology you have you are Hindu Hindustani, and your duty is to protect the civilization that was left to us by our ancestors even if you do not follow you follow a different ideology once you align with the ideology once you are aligned with the civilization, then you align one with it and you are free from the the turbulence from the, from the, uh, from the, ignorance from the adharma, and your duty is to the land uh even though you pray to a creator whoever you want to call him your duty is to the land and that is dharma your dharma is to the land to maintain that land to maintain a civilization generation upon generation ally or align with the vortex her energy that moves and cycles and heal and leave that healing for a new generation so that my dear friends is the um, co- podcast for today uh Thank you very much uh, for your questions. I really appreciate it. And we'll go from here. Uh, if you have any questions, do not hesitate to contact me on my Facebook page, uh, Religions, Regimes and Refugees. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you had a great day. I Enjoy your weekend. Until we meet again.